we've been looking at as we think of God view, we've been thinking of all these different views. Let's see if we can remember where we started from. What was the first God view we looked at? Microscopic. We have a small view of God. And who, who did we look at? What story? Peter. Then we came the next week, and we looked at what? Distorted view. And who do we look at in that story? As we, who do we look at? John. Tonight we're going to look at panoramic view. And who knows what panoramic is? We all do, because we have our phones now, and we're taking panoramic pictures and everything else, right? Right? What's panoramic? A what? A wide view. All right? So tonight we're going to look at panoramic view. And we want to look at a particular guy in the Old Testament, in Exodus. And I would challenge you, if we don't have time to look at the whole book of Exodus tonight. So we're going to take some snapshots. But if you have time, I would challenge you to read that book on your own. As it talks about Moses and Egypt and what happened. But we're going to get into that a little bit later, and I'm going to give you a little recap. But this is where we have been the whole week, the whole month. As we think of the NRP, because it's easier to remember this way, the Nicholas Rogers paraphrase for those who weren't here the last time. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. You see, again, as we've been looking at, the bottom line is everything else in this world will fade away. There's only one thing that lasts forever, and that's God. We start off, as we talked about, and we talked about the first week in our small groups is this, that we should have a bigger view of God than we did five years ago. Because God is a big God. We can never get to a point where we have learned enough or we've learned all that we can learn. We can always learn stuff from God and from His Word. So this is what we're going to look at tonight as, as we think of our introduction. It says this, The tendency for each of one of us is to think we have God all figured out. If you've been in church for a while, it may seem like you've heard it all. You know the stories. You know the miracles. You know God loves you. That Jesus died for you. That He wants a relationship with you. You know this. You know, you know, you know all this. But this week is about one simple truth you don't know. Because of, if you really did know God, you would know this. The more you know Him, the more you realize you don't really know Him. There are things we can know about God, but we can never fully know Him. He's that big, that mysterious, that amazing, and we follow Him. When we seek to know Him, we live amazing lives. You see, we can know everything about God. You know, the guy who we looked at in the video, Chris Tomlin, he had a song called, these things called Indescribable. God is what? Indescribable. We cannot describe Him. Yes, there are words, but we can't put Him in a box because He is that big. And we looked at that last time. The question for me is, why do we get comfortable? Why do we think, you know what, I know everything about God. I know all the stories. I know all the miracles. I've been in church ever since I was born. You want me to tell you for me, when I learned about God the most? When I actually went off to school. I'll tell you something. I didn't know much about God when I was here. Because you know what, I thought that same way. I know the stories. I know Christ died for me. I know He rose again. That's all I need to know. You know, I could tell you all the stories. David and Goliath. Daniel and the lion's den. You know, I could go a list, a list. I could tell you everything you need to know. But you know what? Until I went off to school, 
and study God's word more, I realize, you know what? I don't know God. I don't know everything. And today, I could tell you, I still don't know everything. You talk to Pastor Lee, who has been studying God's word for many years. Guess what? He doesn't know everything. He is still studying now. So this is what we want to look at. We all come to points in our lives when a small God is not enough. And that's when we all need somebody bigger. God is both a caregiver and a rule giver. And we're going to see that in Acts. I mean, in Exodus. But when we are really honest, we can admit a caregiver and a rule giver aren't really enough. We want something more. You see, we all want something more from God. We all think that, you know what? God can't do enough for us. But yet there are times when we say, you know what? I know all I need to know. And like I said, tonight we want to look at Exodus and we want to go through a different snapshots of, of this book and, and understand the life of Moses and understand where Moses was in his look at God at first. First of all, we need to understand what happened in the book of Exodus. Anyone know? Why, they call the, why is the book called Exodus? Because they were what? And they were, they were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Um, you know, they were, they were slaves. And here, this is what we're going to look at as we think of um, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. It said this, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for help from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. You see, God made a covenant. And when God makes a covenant, he's going to keep it. So here it is, God knows the covenant that he made, and he said, you know what? I need to send somebody to help them get out of Egypt. And who does he send? Moses. And, we can, and let's look at um, Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. And said, then Moses said, I will turn aside. This is when God comes and talks to Moses and says, look, I want you to lead my people. I want you to lead them out of, out of um, Egypt, out of slavery. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. Let me ask you a question. If you were Moses, and you saw a bush burning on fire, but it wasn't really burning, what would you be thinking? What would you be thinking? I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of fires in my day. And every fire that I've burnt, they burn, yeah. I'm going to tell you something about my life, what I like. I used to like, I love, but I still like fire. I like to play with fire. It was this one, this is a little side, this is a little extra note for you. This might need to be edited out of the video, but this is an extra note for you. The last time I said edit a video, they didn't even edit the last one, so I guess they'll be in there. But anyway, me and my friend decided, you know what? We got roast hot dogs this summer, you know? We want roast hot dogs. So anyway, we had our little portable grill, and to his house he had a, um, you know, we took the little grill off the top, and he had some little grass. And we said, you know what, a little dry grass area. We said, you know, we could do hot dogs right here. So we put the hot dogs on the grill. You know, we had some nice hot dogs that day, nicely cooked, nicely, you know, that nice charcoal taste from when you're roasting like that. Man, they were good. Anyway, we saw the fire was out. So we thought... Then we had a, a big wind start to come up that day. And this was a big patch of grass, a big patch of area. Next thing we know, we went out. We went off for a little while. We went out fun. We went by my house, I think, next door. Next thing you know, he had a gardener who was working the yard. He was over by the wall where we were doing the 
drilling, and he's there throwing water because the whole patch of grass has caught on fire because the fire wasn't really out because the wind blew it back in and it caught all this dry grass on fire. It's a big burnt mark on their wall, and I'm thinking, we're dead. But, you know, the moral of that story is this. Don't roast hot dogs alone. (laughs) Always have adult supervision. Fire is a dangerous thing. I have many fire stories, but I'm only going to tell you that one tonight. You know, man, I just have so many. Okay. Anyway, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Here I am. Verse 5. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And, the, and Moses hid his face, but he was afraid to look at God. So here we have this picture that he sees this bush burning, and God says, look, you're on holy ground. Moses can see, you know, he can see him, but what does he do? He's afraid, so he hid his face. He was so afraid of God. He was afraid because he was standing on holy ground. But let's look at verse chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 and 12. And this is where we see Moses as he has fear, and he's scared of things. And this is where we see the whole panoramic view. And he says this, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of my tongue. And this is right after the Lord has said, You know what? I want you to free my people. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. So we have this Moses, and we have Moses basically saying, Look, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. You know, I'm mute. Ever since I've seen you, everything has changed. And Moses is very afraid. He's like, you know what? I really can't do this job. We also know someone in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, also said this. Where he said, you know what? I, cannot, I can't do it. And you know what's so true about this? We cannot do it. Moses couldn't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. It's only through God that we can do it. It's only through God that we can do anything. It's only through God that we have the strength to do whatever it is that we're going to do. You know, I want to challenge you for those who are involved in any ministry. You know, and I want to ask you a question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you sing it in Living Stones? Why, do you, why are you part of Rekindle? Why are you part of Hypersagunu? Why do we do these things? And the simple answer would be because it is for the glory of God. That's why we do it. That's why we, we have drama. That's why we have music. Because we want to do it for the glory of God. It's nothing to do with us. You know, I can't get up here and speak without God's help, without the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. You know, I could say a lot of words, and you know what, sometimes, let me tell you how God works. The time, I know there were times in my life when I spoke messages, and I felt like they were the most unprepared times I've had, that I've had people come and say, Man, you gave a good message there. I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? Because I just felt like I was rounding up there and no one was getting it. You see, that's God. God shows up in the times when we least expect it. God is always there. God 
understand, this is why our view of God needs to be big. We need a big view of God because He is a big God. He's not small. And that's why the challenge for me and you tonight is this. We cannot think of God the same way we thought of Him. For you, who are mostly 16, 15 and 16, you can't think of Him the same way you thought Him when you were 10 years old. That cannot work. Because God is a God that keeps getting bigger and bigger as you go about life. You know, I'm sure you could ask anyone who's old in this room. They think of God much different now than they did when they were your age. And for some reason, when you get older and older, you realize you lean on God so much more. Now, you know, you may think, well, you know, I lean on my parents. But let me tell you something. When you get older, you realize just how much you need God. And, that, and we need to recognize that. So here it is. Again, it keeps going on. And we know we have a big part in here from Exodus 4, and we can look at verse, uh, Exodus 33. But I want us to think what's going on here. We have what? In the middle of that section, anyone know the what? The size of the P. The plagues. We know that all the plagues, we know what happened. We know that Moses goes and he fights. And what, is, what eventually happens? The people get free. You know, the people are free. You know, he has the stick. Bam, the waters. The, the, you know, all the Israelites are going. They get out safely. What happens to the Egyptians? The water comes down and... You know what? I always, I, I, whenever I think of that story, I wish I was there to just see how that all worked out. You know, I always wonder because, you know, we see on movies or we see in, in pictures in Sunday school, we see like it's, you know, this big, like, you know, it's just everything up. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's amazing to think about. You know, I remember like in the school one time they were doing a story where they said that the ground was up and it was all sorts of facts they have and things. And I'm thinking, you know, no one really knows. But I, you, don't you think that would be amazing to see? Just to see that whole... And then all of a sudden, the water just claps on the Egyptian. And you're like, wow. That's, that'd be kind of a, you know... What, what do you think, Drew? Yeah, pretty cool. So we, we have the whole story. We have the, the Israelites are free. They're going. But we also know some of the Israelites. They were also what? They were what? Just like meaning they, it's a word to start with a C. They were what? They were come plainers. Oh. Oh. Wow. Weren't they? Weren't they complainers? Didn't Jesus just take I mean God just take them out of all the, the slavery and what are they doing? God is providing all their meals, you know. But what are they doing? Complaining. What did they, what did they, because anyone tell me, what did they tell Moses? They told Moses something. They told, they went, hold on. They went this far to tell Moses this. You have brought us out here to what? Die. You have took us from slavery. God has taken us from slavery. And you brought us up, and they even, they even say, it would be better for us to go back there. But you know what's so sad about that? That sounds like me and you. We complain like that all the time. But God, you know, you brought me here. You're going to help me. And then you're like, 
you know, when things are, you know, when, when things are going very good, we just like totally forget about God at times. But when things get bad, who is the first person we blame? God. You know, we're we happy when things are going the way we want to go, but when things don't go the way we want it to go, we complain. We get upset. We blame God. And here it is. Moses in, in, in Exodus 33, 11 says this, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. As a man to his friend, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And let's look at verse, um, 34, 6. Exodus 34, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You see, we saw Moses at the beginning. And we saw a man who basically could not look at God and could not you know, even fathom it, that God would want to use him. But we see here, as we, as we look again at, at verse 33, and it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, Face to face. Face to face. He can talk to him. You know, think about that for a second. How many of you like to see God face to face and talk to him? You wouldn't be scared? Let me add a question. Put yourself in Moses' shoes for a second. When you were first in, in the first part of Exodus saying to him, God, you know what? I can't do this. You know, I'm just not an eloquent speaker. I can't do this on my own. But here it is. God comes again and says, look, I want you. I want to use you to do great things. And God used Moses. And his view changed. And for me and you tonight, as we think of this whole thing, as we think of how Moses saw God, the question for me and you is this. Are we seeing God? And I'm not talking about seeing God face to face. But are we seeing Him, first of all, in our lives? Are, we, are people looking at us and saying, you know what, I can tell that you are a believer of Christ because of your, the way you conduct yourself. And you know the only way that happens is when our view changes of God. When we do have a panoramic view. When our view is so wide of God and we recognize, you know what? He's that wide. You know, we sing a song about the love of God. You know, you can't get over it, you can't get under it, you can't get around it. You know, we sing all that song. But the question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that? Because if we do believe it, we would live differently. If we truly believed everything that we sing, we would act differently. You know, we sang some songs tonight that forever reign. God, you forever reign. If we believed that, we would live differently. So the question is, how do we apply this? How do we apply this tonight? And the first thing is, when we think about an extraordinary life, it can sometimes sound overwhelming. When we think about an extraordinary life, it can sometimes sound overwhelming. It sounds like, just like Moses in the first part, it was overwhelming for him to think of the task ahead of him. 
It was overwhelming to think, you know what, God, you're going to use me to do great things. Like, how can that happen? It also goes on and it says, God is big enough to make extraordinary things out of ordinary lives. Or we could say this, God makes the ordinary, you and me, look extraordinary. Think about that for a second. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. That's huge. Thirdly, it begins when we have a big and ever-growing view of God. You see, the question for me and you is this. Where is our view of God? Is God still small to us? Is He still locked up in a box? Or is our view of God growing bigger and bigger every day? You know, for, for us, you know, we live, in, we live in the Bahamas. We live in a beautiful place where we could see God's creation. We go to the beaches and we see the creation. And, and you know what? I can't sing like Nicole C. Mullen. Definitely can't. But I always sing it that song, My Redeemer Lives. When I go out to the beach and I say, you know, when you tell the ocean, I'm not even going to try to sing it. When you tell the ocean you'd only go this far, who told him that, you know, who told the sun to rise? You know, all these things. And I'm thinking, how can you tell me there is no God? You know, you can't. Because He is big. And you know, we sometimes think, well, you know what, we got it all together in the Bahamas because we got the beaches, but guess what? The people up north thinking the same thing in the essence of we got the mountains, the beautiful mountains that God created. See, God is a big God. God can't be put in a box. God is not just in the Bahamas. He's everywhere. And the last thing is this, when I know the big and ever-growing God when I spend time with the one who loves deeper and wider than I could ever comprehend, then my life can be nothing short of extraordinary. Think about a second. When I think of God, when I think of how big He is, and when I have a genuine relationship with Him, and I'm growing in that relationship, then I realize that, you know what? God is nothing short of extraordinary. I can't compare Him to nothing. You know, last week we sang the song, or the week before, there's no one like you. You know, there's no one like God. There's nothing I can compare to you. So for, for us again tonight, the question is this, as we close. What is your view of God? How do you view Him? Is He a big God to you? Or do we sometimes, like, like I challenged you two weeks ago to say, you know what? God, here's my list. I want you to work with me, okay? Or do we say, you know what, God? Here's a blank piece of paper. I'm going to sign the bottom and say, here, do what you want with my life. You see, that's what we need to be doing. Not giving God our demands, but saying, God, you know what? Here's my life. Do what you want with my life. And as a believer, that should be every one of us. That we should say, you know what, here, God, this is me. You know, and I just, on a side note, in a little advertisement for Sunday, I challenge you to come out Sunday morning as we talk a little bit more about that in the youth service. That God doesn't just want us 
to just be fans of His. But He wants us to be genuine followers of His. So I challenge you, if you weren't planning to come on Sunday, I understand some of you go to other churches, so I understand that. But if you come to Calvary Bible Church regularly, or if you don't go to church at all, I invite you to come Sunday morning at 11 o'clock to our youth service. Because, you know what, I think that God really wants each one of us to understand just how big He is. And you know what, someone can look at our life and see what we really think of God. So let us pray, and then we go to our small groups. Father, we thank You for all that You've done for us. Father, we pray that You continue to be with us. Pray that as we continue to grow in our faith, that we would have a bigger view of You. That, Father, we would be genuine followers of you. And Father, I pray that you would continue to just be with us, guide us, protect us. Father, even as we go in our small groups, I pray that you would just be with our discussion, that they would honor you. We just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.